welcome back to Making It So, a Get Into Geek uh, podcast. And I'm your host, Craig, and here's my co-host, Matty. How you going, mate? Greetings. Greetings. Very uh, data-like. Yeah, okay. Well. The head nod doesn't read in an audio medium, so I had to use something. Well, oh, okay. That's, that's entirely true. Mm. So we're talking uh, Star Trek Picard, a season three, episode three. The title being... 17 seconds. Mm. All right. So, well, we're going to switch it up a little bit today. Okay. All right. There's a just a, a little bit of Star Trek news came out today. Mm. And uh, we'll just go over a little bit of Star Trek news first. Okay. All right. So, Star Trek Discovery is going to be finishing after season five. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, that's great. I love that. That's fantastic. Thank, thank. I'm so glad it didn't run seven seasons. Um, I mean, I never really liked Enterprise, but I kind of wanted to only run as long as Enterprise, if not less. So five is kind of like, oh, I just got up there a little bit further. <laughs> but yeah, it's run its course, I think. Yeah. They had like several bites at the apple and it still didn't get any better. So. Yeah, it needs to die its natural death, as far as I'm concerned. I think concerned. that the one, the one little just nugget of gold that we can take out of it is Ethan Peck's Spock, who we now get to see on Strange New Worlds. Yes. Yes. And I guess Pike. Pike. Absolutely. Pike, Pike and number one by, or Una by extension. Um, it did give us that, so. But we're still not going to get the last season of, uh, was it Discovery until next year? Oh, look, I'm not in any rush. No. It's fine. No, and, you know, and the way I'm looking... Not the show me waiting. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and the, the way I'm looking at it is they're actually getting rid of it to concentrate on Strange New Worlds, which I think is a great show so far, and potentially some sort of a new series to pick up after Picard Season 3. Yeah, yeah, well, there's... There was obviously talk of the Section 31 I, I've show. got a feeling that that's just not going to happen anymore. I'm kind of okay with that. I'm happy with Michelle Yeoh going and winning awards for, like, movies and stuff. Yep. And just being unavailable because a Section 31 show doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I do know, that, yeah, that um, Alex Kurtzman, like, is contractually obligated to, like, come up with at least two more shows as part of his contract. Um, so, yeah, there'll be more Trek on the way. Um, and, yeah, potentially given how well Picard seems to be getting received so far... Maybe we'll get some kind of um, spin-off, spin-off, some kind of Titan show, some kind of like you were saying last week, some kind of Seven of Nine show, a Janeway um, show. There is talk of that. Well, there's already a, uh, a cartoon Janeway show, so um, I mean, I'm happy for any Voyager or DS9 people of to course. be around. So that's fine with me. The more of that, an better. Ensign Harry Kim show, a Captain Harry <laughs> Kim show. You rude individual. Um. Yeah, yeah, that would be fun. I, I think maybe the initial idea was for like after Picard, they was they were maybe going to do like a La Serena, um, type show, and obviously that's yeah, that's, that's uh, not going to happen now. Happen. I think a Rios show could have been potentially good. I really liked uh, Rios. Yeah, Rios. He, he was very relatable. He was he was good. Uh, well, he was good at the start of last season, but um, yeah, okay. Well, um, I, I would say um, farewell, but just go away, Discovery. Yeah, thank you. No, not even thank you, just bye. Discovery painted itself into a corner, like I said last week, and it's oh, kind of stuck there. They had three three cracks at it. They had that horrible first season. They well, went. Well, they reinvented the whole let's, show. Let's fire those people because they're terrible people. We'll completely change the show in season two. Um, well, that's, at least that's when we got 
Spock and Pike and all that kind of stuff. Um, Which we're grateful for. Grateful for. But was that that was the Red Angel season? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the control. Remember, it was. Yeah. Um, and then they went to the future, and it's like, oh, hallelujah! That ship with all this advanced technology that shouldn't exist when it did now exists where it should. And it was still shit. And I still can't tell you the bridge people's names. No, there's, and we were discussing that earlier. There's redheaded seven of nine chick. There's um, blonde haired chick. Blonde haired which chick, which was who, a robot looking chick. Yeah, earlier. used to have blue skin and robot stuff, but they changed that, and now she's just Blandy McBland white woman. The only one that I really know is Michael Burnham, Booker, and Tilly. Saru and Saru. Why we have? Why do we not know any of the bridge crew? And we know two captains. I don't understand. Yeah, they just uh, they the the characters just they haven't developed for me enough. No, to know them. I know the the she she be operations because red girl is is Helm. The chick that's next to her is Owo, and that's short for like Owo Owo Shikin. Yeah, something like that. She had that one like half an episode where she she punched people in a boxing ring. Yes, I remember that one. And that's about it. Anyway, enough about uh, Discovery. That's about all the news there is in Star Trek uh, world this week. Um, it's a shame because Nicole Martin-Green is a really good actress um, and she deserves a better show. Yes, well... Better writing. Anyway, so, yeah. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. I mean, I would have said that in season one. But that's just <laughs> yeah, <me>. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when they're like, we're going to make Lucius Malfoy our captain. I'm like, are we though? Anyway, let's uh, get on to talking about this week's episode of uh, Star Trek Picard, season three, episode three, 17 seconds. Okay, so let's... Uh, I have notes. You, oh, I've got like five pages of notes, but uh, let's read the synopsis first, shall we? Okay. Okay, Picard grapples with a life-altering revelation as the crew of the Titan attempt to outmaneuver Vatic, while Raffi and Worf uncover a plot by a vengeful enemy. I feel like we need to go straight, given it was right there, we need to go straight to the Raffi and Worf stuff. I'm down with that, actually, because, like, the Raffi and Worf stuff was actually really interesting. I really enjoyed all that. That was within a couple of minutes. I was like... Raffi and Worf have such a great dynamic. I love them already. Like as a team, it's that it's that classic, you know, uh, odd couple kind of thing, but also not because they have a lot in common and they just have this really good rapport. Like none of it seems <laughs> cliche or anything like that because we're also getting to know this new Worf. Before we go any further, mm-hmm. um, I mean that's your job, not mine. I know, right? Massive spoilers. Okay, so if you are listening to this show for the first time, we do get into massive spoilers. Absolutely. Like Maddie and I literally five minutes ago yeah, uh, just finished watching the episode. Mm-hmm. I took my time when I had a piss. Um, had a, Yeah, so we've had a bit a of a, uh, a drink. We needed, but... Um... Yeah. It's, it's all part of the journey. <laughs> <laughs> Painting a picture with your imagination brush. Um... Yeah, so Worf and Raffi, I really, I love that he calls her Raffaella. Like he, he classic. He Worf doesn't thing. contract things. He's like, I have to use your full name. I'm surprised he doesn't actually call her Raffaella Museka. I mean, the episode <laughs> would be twice as long if he did call her that every single time. Um, but I love that he does that. He, I was a bit taken aback because this is obviously the first time we get a really good look at him. Because obviously last week it was all 
whooshy, um, I'm high vision. So he was all blurry and stuff. So we got a better look at the... Um, well, that was because Rafi was high. Yeah. the We got a better look at the Curleth, which is very... I didn't realise how much of the handle hilt thing is basically just the Mechleth. It's just... It's just longer, really. Yeah, and on the, the, the on the end with, of it, um, it's got another handle, so he can. Yeah, I noticed grip that last like week. I, I actually almost. noticed that part. So it's kind of just like, um, yeah, a uh, 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 mechleth, but on um, erectile dysfunction pills. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which I like. It looked cool. He was doing his little Tai Chi stuff to, um, to the um, Bizet Berlioz music from First Contact, which was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was a little taken aback because I think much to probably Michael Dawn's excitement, they didn't make him wear all of the prosthetic makeup and like the fake torso that he used to wear. Michael Dawn through DS, uh, DS9 and Next Generation wore like chest plating and shoulder plating and stuff to like beef him up well, and make he, him look like a bigger guy. He did say that he was just wearing like casual clothing. And not his warrior clothing in the episode. No, no, but I mean, as, yeah, I, as an actor... I know, but maybe that's part of it. In the show, we're meant to believe that he's not wearing anything under his uniform. It's just his Klingon muscle. Yeah. So I'm saying, now that he's gotten older, his Klingon muscle isn't there. Which took a minute to adapt to, because I was like, oh, his arms look really little. But then, straight away... Michael Dawn's just skinnier. <laughs> well, and he's not wearing all that padding. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure is great for him after having to go back and put all the, the prosthetic makeup on. But... With the 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 white hair everywhere and what he was wearing, it really gave me vibes of Kor Kang and Koloth from Blood Oath when they go to Deep Space Nine to fight the um the uh, what do you call someone who's really pale? Uh, the e e. Oh, he'll spit it out in a second, listeners. No, the. Are you talking about white people? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking white people, man. <laughs> You know when someone's like really pale and they're a... Uh... Albino? Yes, yeah. the albino. <laughs> I actually figured that out about 30 seconds ago. I was, I was enjoying watching you scramble. Yeah. Uh, the albino, <laughs> yes. So obviously when Korkang and Koloth come back to fight the albino and they get Dax to go along with their blood oath, just the mannerisms, the very stillness that I remember Koloth having... Um, Worf kind of has that now. So it feels really nostalgic and cool, even though it's this, you know, kind of new Worf who's like Stella getting his groove back. As he as he said, he's working on himself. Yeah. Um, I like it. So that that whole thing. Then obviously uh, with them, we get to uh, them picking up uh, Thomas Decker. Uh, well, the, that's the actor's name, who we saw in the trailer, who I thought was going to be Picard's son because he played Picard's son already. In generations, in generations in the Nexus. He was like one of the little fair-haired kids around the Christmas tree. Uh, instead, we've got Ed Spielers. Yeah. I actually think he, he's doing a great job, though. Well, should we talk about that? Ooh, okay. Well, r- read me into your thoughts. Okay. So, when we watched the first episode. Yes. And you and I, while we're watching it, theorize, oh, it's going to be Picard's son. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know. Are you talking about my theory? Well, no. We're going to get there? We're going to get there. (laughs) Okay. So originally I was like, oh, so after Nemesis at some point, they've hooked up and had a kid. And you're like, no way is that dude 20. He's like 35. And then you got onto your theory, which makes heaps of sense because it's like Ed, whatever his name is, the actor. Ed Spielers. Ed Spielers was born during season two of Next Generation, like we spoke about last week and the week before. 
But then we come to find out in, and I got so into that theory. I'm like, the only thing they need to figure out is why Beverly hid it when she came back to the Enterprise. Yes. And then we get to this episode and Beverly's like, when I left the Enterprise. And we're both like, <gasps> yeah. she's going to do it. Craig was right. <laughs> and then she's like, oh no, basically. And then she gives all these points of reference after Nemesis. So after Nemesis is when she left the Enterprise and never saw Picard again because she was knocked up then. So Ed is only... Spielers. Um He's, he's like our age playing a 20-year-old. I mean, I know it's sci-fi, but damn. Yeah, there's only so much makeup can do. He does not look mm. like a 20, maybe 21, 22-year-old. Yeah, he that doesn't, was, and that was like, he my, looks like a 32, 33-year-old to the And that dude. was what made, like, you said that so confidently in the first episode that I was just like, okay, well, he can't, it's fine. Like, I, and then obviously we looked it just up makes sense. It, it makes, it makes sense. Like, I get they've obviously gone for... He's really good. Like we said it last week, he looks like Picard. He even had some shins on vibes we were talking about. Got the British accent. Got the British accent. But it's like, I mean, you can roll someone back a couple of years, but this is going, this takes me back to like Buffy in the mid 90s where Charisma Carpenter was a 30 year old playing a 16 year old high school student. So he has lived a bit of a harder life the last few years. And like, so in space, yeah, he's, he's not getting any UV rays or, or, you know, he's not getting out the sun too much when he's no, in but space. like s- stress does a lot to, to you. So I, I watched a documentary, um, called Restrepo. Mm. Uh, Restrepo was about a platoon of us army, uh, infantry guys that went to Afghanistan mm. and they took photos of all these guys and everything while they were still in the States before they went. And then when they got back after like a year, year and a half deployment, Mm-hmm. Those guys, most of them were 20, 21, 22 sort of years old, some 19 before they left. When they got back, their age looked so much more. Some of them looked like they were 30. And that's what stress did to them and living in that constant stress. And, you know, like Jack is constantly having people chasing after him and stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's it's a TV show. I they mean, found the right actor for the job. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, you know, his day, age, yeah, you know, he's a little bit older. At the end of the day, yes, I'm glad that um they went for the best performance. Obviously he had the best performance, which is fine. But you say all that as he's standing next to his mother who's been with him the whole time, and she is like <laughs> she looks like one of the sonar. Like she's had so <laughs> much work done. Like she's been in some skin stretching sessions. Oh yeah. So it's like if she's getting them done and she's standing next to Jack, you think she'd go like, mate, maybe you just need a little 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 rest on a little Botox. Yeah, but just he, a little Botox. Just here, he's here a and human here. man and not not a lot of uh you know, heterosexual white males are getting hey, work done. Not a lot. It's I'm not the twenty fourth century. This is true. Don't assume Jack's <laughs> Sexual identity, <laughs> just because he spoke about banging men's daughters last last well, week, well, exactly doesn't mean he bangs doesn't bang their sons as well, and it's perfectly except we. I mean, first episode of Next Generation, there was dudes wearing dresses as part of their uniform. So this he, is true. He can do whatever he wants. I um, didn't say that he couldn't though, did I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't kind of like that they went the easy way out. But I also blame you for that for having such a good theory. 
that. I've got another theory that we're mm. going to punch on too soon. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, there was what do else? we do? We want to get into my other theory. I just there was something else I wanted to say about Jack, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, when Beverly and Picard were talking, and we'll get to that amazing scene they had in the sick bay. Oh, um, when she's about, she references um. When Jack was conceived, they were on shore leave on Casperia Prime and all these yes. beautiful waterfalls, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. That was where Dax wanted to take War for their honeymoon in Change of Heart. Really? She had, because he wanted to go somewhere and she had that whole funny bit in the runabout where she's like, welcome to Casperia Prime, blah, 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 and holds up the, I, uh, the, the iPad, the pad. <laughs> um so I love that little, just that little nugget. And I'm sure all the other things she said meant things to other people. And that would have been something that Terry Metalis was like, ah, oh, we have yeah. to do this. In fans of Next Generation and the original series, there's probably stuff in there for them. But me being a DS9 um, hardcore fan, I heard Casperia Prime and I was like, boom, Dax. Um, so yeah, that was my little other bit about, about Jack. Oh, okay. All right, well, let's... Uh, we'll, we'll back up to the start of the episode. Mm. It picked straight up where last week's episode uh, finished. And we're straight into a chase scene, basically. Mm-hmm. Like an mm-hmm. old school, like, naval battle, submarine chase type of thing through yeah, a nebula. Which Star I Trek, thought was cool. Star Trek does so well. Obviously, all the sweaties love Wrath of Khan. Not my personal favourite. But, like, then you look at... Because uh, <laughs> I'm a DS9 tryhard. Um, Starship Down was another one where they're, like, in, yep. the, in a thing in there. Um, Insurrection, obviously. In, oh. the, in the Briar Patch is so good. Nemesis. Uh, Nemesis. Um, yeah, there's just, it's, it's one of those, it gives you, it gives you those feels. Um, I have issues with the battle and the, and the tactics, but you, you, oh, look, it, you do your stuff. Well, Matt, Matty we'll does get, have issue we'll with the tactics, it. but you know, like, you know, it's a show. Yeah. Anyway, true. We'll, we'll move on. All right. The, the crew itself of the Titans seem a little bit angry and, um, Pissed off at Jack, and I think, yeah, rightly so, because you know they're they're being attacked because of him. It by felt, the seams of it, it felt a little bit childish for like a dude with like a sprained wrist to be sitting in sick bay, and Jack walks in, he's like, "This is all your fault. This ship is full of dickheads. Every second person on this ship is a cunt. I'm gonna say it. They are. Like everyone just needs to." Fucking chill <laughs> and remember they're in the Federation and they're not a bunch of spoiled little bitches and just fucking like you're adults, people. Come you're on. being really passionate this week about this. This episode, I re- it's I think because episode one and episode two were really, really good. I have a lot of issues with this episode and it's making me very nervous that season three is going to shit the bed like season two did. I, I, I don't have I'm, that feeling. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm I don't concerned. have that feeling. I just think that this was that action-packed episode. Mm. You know, we've had a lot of, you know, interesting talks and scenes and stuff in the first couple of episodes, and this yeah. episode was just full-on action. Yeah, and I guess... And I really enjoyed that. Because we did list off all those great naval-style um, Star Trek yeah. battles. That's this, this, I think, was the worst one so far. Like, because, I've got, because I'm comparing it to so many other great ones, I'm like... Well, why don't they just do this? Why don't they just do this? Why don't they just do this? Like I'm, I'm problem solving ideas for them, which as a viewer I don't think I should be. Oh, Captain Maddie over here. Yeah, I mean I don't <laughs> want to say I'm a better captain than Riker. I mean I know I know I'm a better captain than Shaw, but I don't want to say I'm a better. Captain. Oh, actually, speaking I don't of say I'm Shaw, a than Riker. 
the bone protruding out of his leg. Damn, How good was it? Pointy bones sticking out. I thought they were going to kill him. There was that moment where he was in sick bay, like writhing around, and I'm like, holy fuck. Because obviously, like we've seen from bits and pieces, like we know that, you know, I mean, I guess we got it later in the episode is like, you know, Picar- um, Riker, you know, being in charge of the Titan again, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, are they going to fucking kill? Like, they, I really believed they were going to kill him. But then obviously, like, they rolled him over and he was like talking to Jack. I'm like, oh no, he's fine. So I think he'll be fine. But in that moment, like that guy's acting ha- and the push in on the bio bed had me believing they're about to kill this guy. Yeah, mate, potentially. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Well, I actually think that they're going to keep him around um, probably yeah. past the end of this season. Oh, yeah. But by the time he was rolled over and talking to Jack, I was like, he's fine. Although he's there's still, leave. what, another seven episodes to go. So anything could happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. So. True. Um, something I didn't like, and he was guilty of it, and so was. Either Riker or Picard. They both said shit. I think you've said shit about 12 times so far. I <laughs> am this. not. I am not on the bridge of a starship. Okay, so... I am not an enlightened human being from the 24th century. Or 25th century now, maybe, yes. wouldn't they? I'm not an enlightened being uh, in a, a socialist utopia. I fucking wish I was. <laughs> but like we said last... Like I said last week, it's been established in Star Trek lore from when Kirk and Spock went back in time... People of this time period have evolved beyond the need for vulgarity. Yes, but how many times since back in that uh, movie, mm-hmm. how many times has the timeline been messed with? So, you know, butterflies flapping her wings. I know, but just because you can't... And I mean, Voyager, no one in Voyager ever swore. No one in... If any, if anyone, if anyone in Star <laughs> Trek was ever going to drop the F-bomb... You know you wanted it to be Cisco. How Ooh. good would it have been here to to hear Avery Brooks call? It would have been O'Brien, call. I reckon. Oh yeah. <laughs> if O'Brien would, O'Brien would, would have dropped something, but it's like all those TV shows, obviously because you know they were PG, they were on network television, they had restrictions at the exactly. Time, and so. now we're not. And now it's a little more loosey goosey. But just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. And I personally don't like it. I'm allowed to swear whenever I want. A Starfleet officer, however, cannot. <laughs> if if normally I'm the one that swears probably a lot more than Maddie. Oh like yeah. oh and yeah. you know. Um, I'd be wearing out the button if I actually had a button to beep out swearing. If if Sneed wanted to swear, if Quark wanted to swear, uh, anyone who's not a Starfleet officer wanted to swear, fine. Starfleet officer though. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't, I, like look, I, don't like I, I don't mind it. And yeah, it doesn't bother me so much as it uh, bothers you. But one mm. thing that did bother me, mm. and it's a minor thing, mm. when they had the flashback scene to the bar between Picard and Riker. I'm holding back. Let's go the, well, what shall we call it? The evolution of the uh, first contact style uniform that Riker was wearing. What's, what the hell was that? What's the opposite of evolution? Devolution? It was almost like two balls as his shoulder and like a dick coming down. Yeah, I like I don't <laughs> understand this like we're going to take this uniform which was awesome uniform. Yeah, we're going to add like I get like across his shoulders there was like an extra pinstripe that had been added, which yep. I think is a nice touch because if you look at like lower decks they and I hate it, they added that that white pinstripe to the uniform. Yeah, I like that. I hate the white pinstripe. Okay. <laughs> um but then also when you look at the early seasons of Picard 
those other uniforms had the color blocking at the top, like a black pinstripe and then a little more color. So I can see the evolution of going from the gray uniforms to like the Picard season one uniforms. But this, the the weird dip in the middle of the chest. I'm hoping we never like see it. that again. Please, let's never see that again. It was so unnecessary. Like I like, so in Lower Decks, when we saw Riker's character, there, mm. his uniform that he was wearing there in the cartoon. Correct. That was great. Which means I... So I'm hoping that this is just a I one am, and done type I'm, of thing. It looked terrible. It aberration. Um, I would have to do the math and the post-nemesis isn't a great knowledge area for me but if nemesis was 20 something years ago Mm -hmm. and jack is 20 years old and we're assuming thaddeus is at least a year older than um jack then it's putting that scene in the bar where Riker is wearing that horrible uniform 2379 was when nemesis was uh okay So it's putting it's putting Riker very close to being in like lower decks era where we've seen him wearing the first contact uniform. It's, uh, it's tight. It's I mean it's it's potentially doable. But again, just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do yeah, a thing. And- they could have quite easily I think it would have been more nostalgic if we had just seen him in a first contact uniform. Yeah. Because that, that de-aging makeup, oh, like CG and makeup and stuff, they looked so, like... Oh, they're getting really good like at them. it. Yeah. It looked like, it's like, I was like, I would have believed that that scene was shot um, during Nemesis time. Like, it, it, it looked that good. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, that horrible uniform really, really, really took <laughs> my, my, my attention away from what was a great scene. But then... And our first um, Deanna scene. Yes. First time we've seen Deanna. Where Deanna tells him to bring the bottle of whiskey with him and he gets up and walks away and doesn't take the bottle. The lion, the (laughs) witch, and the audacity of this bitch to just, like, she says it. She says, bring the whiskey. Yes, Imzadi, I love you. On my way. Turns off the comm, puts the glass down, see you, Picard, walks away. He doesn't pick up the bottle. Dick. No wonder why they're in trouble now. No wonder why they're in trouble now. He don't listen. That was some great acting from Marina Sirtis, though. Like, that's... It just... They managed... Because, obviously, now, naturally, her voice is much deeper now, naturally, as she's yeah, gotten as older. Yeah, as she's gotten older. Um, they managed... I don't know whether that was something that she did or whether it was something they did in post, but it sounded so much like, um, you know, that kind of era. Deanna, like, First Contact, Insurrection Deanna. Reminded me of, like, Drunk Deanna from First Contact in the bar. It was great. It was a great scene for her. I love that. Oh, do you even remember the last time that we'd seen... Uh Riker and Deanna after Nemesis. Do you remember? After Nemesis, it would have been Lower Decks, wouldn't it? Nope. Oh, it would have been The Enterprise. End of Enterprise. Well, that's not chronological, so that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> they were on the Titan. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're on the Enterprise on that. Well, I, Yeah, remember it's a flashback to that Pegasus episode. They were wearing oh, the, yeah, the yeah, actually they. Yeah, no, we've, we've never seen them in No, live, we haven't seen them in the Titan, have we? We've never seen them in live action on the Titan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the name of the episode was 17 Seconds. And uh-huh. I was wondering last week, or as I, after I read like the name of the next episode, I'm like, oh, I wonder why they're going to call it 17 Seconds. Mm. I come up with my crude joke there at the end of uh, our second recording. I and mean, if you I want to like listen to that. A, you just bounced it off mine, really. Just... <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, that's, that's why I have, we have two people on this podcast. So Correct. it's not just me 
droning on by myself. Correct. Instead, it's me sort of opening things up and then Maddie mm. droning on. Um, 17 seconds. So the title 17 seconds comes from Riker's trip from the bridge to sick bay mm. when his son was born. And it's yeah. the longest 17 seconds of his life. And that sort of, that resonated with me personally as yeah. a father. Because when my son, uh, Michael, was born, um, he was born by an emergency C-section. Mm. And when he came, when he was pulled out, it would have been about 17 seconds where he did not make a noise. And the look on some of the nurses' faces, yes. I thought he was dead. And then at about that 17 second mark, he started crying. And it was like, that feeling of elation and joy yeah. that you know my son was alive, and yeah. I was just, and yeah, that would have been the same sort of feeling for for Riker. Yeah. So I really identified with that. Yeah, and it sounds like poor Thad just had a rough life from beginning to end because oh. obviously we hear about him in Independence, but he wasn't born with whatever that condition was. Was it he contracted it somewhere? I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't I, gone I, back and watched it yeah. in a while, but I have a feeling it was like he contracted it somewhere, and then they moved into Penthe to try and fix it or whatever. But I don't think he was born with it, but maybe he was, and that's the connection. Yeah. But it's like to have a rough birth um, where, yeah, where Riker thinks he's going to lose him. And ostensibly, potentially, um, Troy as well. Like, you know, so many times during yeah. rough pregnancy. Mothers die too. Rough births, you can lose the mother as well. So, um, yeah, poor Thad was um, not not long for this world. But then the, the, the payoff for that 17 seconds was where Picard had his own 17 seconds. He finally experienced it. That yeah, was, the longest turbo lift ride of his life. Yep, from where his son was injured and down in sick bay. Mm. So, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I, I actually thought that was great writing to me. Yeah, that was really clever, that, that you know, passing it off at the, at, the, at the beginning. Obviously, in this episode, Picard was being a bit of, bit of a dick, just like being very dismissive when it re- in regards to Jack. And then Riker... You know, makes that dis- makes that sort of speech. But you know, he says to him, "You you don't know how long you've got with him. You know, make every moment count." And that was that moment where you know Picard was kind of not accepting the fact that he had a son until the fact that he thought he might lose him. It was that moment in sick bay where he's like, "Oh!" And I think you know now, obviously, I think moving forward, Picard's going to accept him, and that's good. they're going to start building their relationship, and we'll see that build. Assuming that's what Jack wants to do, but at yeah. least at least Picard seems open to it now. Yeah, um, open to to a relationship with Jack. There, there were some really great people moments in this episode as well. I thought. Well, yeah, obviously building off that, the the precursor to that was that amazing scene in the sick bay where Picard and Beverly oh, finally talk. That wasn't the one I was thinking of for for right now, but yeah, that oh. that was amazing. That was great. Like it that was, was in. It was icy to begin with. That and that is, you couldn't pull off that unless you have you know. The a lot of history. damn near forty years worth of history that these actors and characters have together, yeah, um, was incredible because it's like, like I don't, I don't agree with what Beverly did. I don't agree. Oh, with not her decision, at all. But I understand why. Like I, I do. Her, her performance was so good that I understood why she did it. So, and that's that's the best kind of thing. I think it's like it's like I totally see her side. I wouldn't have made that decision in her place, but I can't. A, a lesser character, I would hate for that for that choice. 
I don't hate Beverly for doing it. I understand why she did it. I don't hate her for doing it, and, mm. but I'm I'm a bit annoyed that she did it. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, for, she, she did the wrong thing. She absolutely did the wrong thing, yeah. And, you know, they, they mentioned as well that uh, Picard and uh, Crusher had tried like five times. Mm. And they were specific with the number five times to start a proper relationship and it just never sort of worked. And then, the, you know, this fifth time, you know, somehow she ended up getting knocked up. Yeah. So quite late in life, which is great for you know the twenty fourth century. You know you can you can get up there. Science. Get up there. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray for science. Um, yeah, like I, I like I don't watch a lot of Next Generation, but obviously I do remember occasional flirty scenes between them, and they would they would catch oh, up all for, the time. They would catch up for like breakfast, and then there was that episode where Picard started dating like that science officer with the keyboard. Yep, and you could tell Beverly was a bit. Bit about, miffed about it. it, yeah. Um, so yeah, I believe that they tried, you know, a few times. Um, yeah, and then finally, kind of got their shit together in Casperia Prime, and then all that stuff. The way Beverly just listed off all that stuff was just like just throwing receipts, just pew, going pew pew boom 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 boom. And then there was that great moment where she's like, "You told me you didn't want to be a dad because you didn't want to be like your dad," and he's like, "How?" Yeah, you use that against me. And I was like, oh, snap. Because I've been known to do that. You know, my family, we, we're like, we're wasps. We're waspy. We are, it's, it's water for ducks, but we will insult each other. Water for ducks back. Passive aggression, water for ducks back. I thought you were going to say you like to sting each and other. And then, no, wasps is in um, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. It's a uh. waspy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have man. never heard that term Why before. A wasp, yeah. Um, very, you know, proper white people. It's white people bullshit, basically. Um, but then it's like every, I don't know, 18 months, just one of the family members, you'll be like, I've had enough of this shit. And I will pull shit out of my back pocket from 1996 and throw it in their fucking face. <laughs> and that's what Beverly did. So I kind of like, I, I vibed with her on that. And I was like, you go, you go, girl. But this, this is a... Uh Bit of a get into geeks Star Trek podcast, not your family history, Maddie. Oh, get fucked. <laughs> I'd listen about your son almost dying, blah, blah. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh. See? Oh. Threw it back in your face. Damn. That was quick. That was a quick turnaround. Little Michael too. loves you too. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to tell adorable. him now. He's a cutie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, Beverly was very concerned that she, she didn't know if she could protect Picard's son, yeah. basically, because... I love that turn when she was like, I I could protect my son. I don't know if I could protect Picard's son. Yeah. It's like, snap. And then the way she threw back, like, I lost Jack. And if she just stopped there, I would have been like, well, bitch, that didn't stop you from putting your son to Jack on the bridge of the starship with Picard right there. But then she brings him up because she technically lost him too. He And she brought up losing Wesley as well. That's what I mean, yeah. Like, he... He became a traveler. She yeah. lost him. And she even, the way it's worded, it's like, um, uh, I lost him to the same stars that dragged you or lost you or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, she just said she lost her family to the stars. Yeah. And it's like, damn, she's right. It, it, it's heavy stuff because, yeah, she's sick mm. of losing people. So she was like, I'm going to bring, you know, my new son yeah. in close and protect him. And that's her motherly instinct, but yeah, still wrong. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But then um, uh, Jean Luc also asked why he had a British accent as well, <laughs> and she sent him to school in London. Okay, 
<laughs> now, if they were on the run the whole time in a ship doing stuff all over the galaxy, great. Wasn't it established in like season one of Picard that when Picard became an admiral or whatever, he was working at Starfleet Command slash Academy as Commandant. In San Francisco. Yeah. For a while. Like we had we had flashbacks too there where he's there with Raffi. Just like a like a three second transporter trip over to London, which by the way, he owns a vineyard in France. Which is just closer, a hop skip. Uh there the whole time. Dick move, Beverly. Be- Beverly did say though that she Damn. did tell Jack who her fa- who his father was. Mm. And he obviously Ah, uh, important distinction though. She said when he uh, at the when right, he was when old he, enough. When he was old enough. We find out he's only fucking twenty. So when did she decide he was well, old that's enough? That's true. She didn't let Wesley see the hollow message from Jack until he was eighteen or whatever. Yeah, so there's so a little bit like, of a thread there. Sure, if she says when he's thirteen, Jean Luc's your father, and he's like, I don't want to fight. Fine, he's a thirteen-year-old piece of shit. We were all pieces of shit at thirteen. If she tells him as an eighteen-year-old two years ago, and he says, "Don't want to meet him," I mean, it was only two years. There was season one, so theoretically, in season one is when Beverly said, "Hey, you want to know who your daddy is?" And he's like, "Meh." <laughs> like it's not a to to Picard. That's like. Whoopity do! Oh, he might have met the real me instead of the synthoid me. But you know, we're still trying to figure out why everybody is after Jack as well. Now, what what, what do you Beverly, think? Beverly Beverly had that weird line where she she kind of threw everything back in his face and said, "I don't think Vadic is after Jack. I think she's after you, Jean Luc, and using Jack to get to and him. Using Jack." That is, and she had that great line. Was and like, that goes back to Beverly's you, fear. Yeah, you are a, uh, no, she is a Picard-level villain with Picard-level weapons pointed at this ship, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you know, if maybe he would have been able to protect his son better if he knew he existed and this whole thing wouldn't have happened. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. And I guess this is where we can get into the big reveal for this episode is changelings are back. Yeah. There's 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 a rogue faction of changelings who are separated from the Great Link and the Founders. Told Odo to go fuck himself, basically. Um, and they're doing some shady shit. Now, there's one on the Titan that's sabotaging the Titan to help Vadic. Vadic has a wormhole weapon. I'm not calling it a portal weapon because I'm not a fucking Rick and Morty person. <laughs> We're in Star Trek. It's a wormhole weapon, okay? Um, we find out that there's multiple wormhole weapons because Thomas Decker's character, the yes. other changing we see in this episode, he was the one, presumably, that set the wormhole weapon bomb at the place that the 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 academy place. Yeah, that, that other Raffi planet. Saw. The uh, at the what they call it? They called it a recruiting federation center. outpost recruiting, or federation recruiting, recruiting center. center or something. Yeah. yeah. So. That means there's multiple wormhole weapons that were stolen from the Daystrom Institute. So a changeling has one on that. But they were after something else, weren't they? Yeah. Now they're saying that it's like it was all a um, a diversion because they stole a bunch of stuff, and they're just making people think that it was the wormhole weapons they wanted when they actually want something. So what else would be at the Daystrom Institute? Get back before we get to that. Is what I was trying to say is so we have. 
a changeling on Metallus with a wormhole weapon. We have a changeling on the Titan helping Vadic by leaking the Viridium, whatever it was, so that she could track them. She has a wormhole weapon. So it would appear... There's at least two of them. ...that Vadic is working with this changeling group. So what is her personal connection to Jack or Picard that's making her... And then why would the changelings be working with her as well? So this is where I'm getting a little worried that it's going a little bit season one and two. Oh, where we may I don't want it to drag out. I want some answers soon, at I, least to one of these elements. I really think we're going to get some answers next week. But there was a very important line, I think, that was mentioned on the bridge of the Titan mm-hmm. where they said something about the nebula not actually being a nebula. Yeah, the the bald um, science officer was like, oh, we're getting... The half Delton, half Vulcan science officer. We're getting... Um, they're basically getting bio-readings. Yeah, there was bio-readings and then something else readings. So it was weird because her then she went on to say, oh, I've never seen anything like this, whereas in my head... Or this has never been recorded before. And I'm like... Bitch, there was an episode of Voyager all about a living cloud called the Cloud. It was a nebula that was alive. Yes, but maybe um, th- these specific, you know, signatures coming out of it. So, m- my- I think she just hasn't done her research. <laughs> sure, she was under attack and about to die, but come on, mate. All right, so my personal, yeah, another Craig theory. We'll mm. see if this one pans out, mm. um, since the other one apparently didn't. I'm going oh, to be <laughs> sceptical now. I'm not going to get my hopes up. <laughs> okay, so obviously we've... We got told by Worf that there was a breakaway terrorist faction of the Founders. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're seeing a lot of changelings. And we know that changelings can survive in space. Yes. Could, could this we nebula... Lars in Deep Space Nine who could exist as a... A uh, like space-faring a, entity, yes, but also could exist as like energy and clouds yeah. and all that so. Kind could of stuff. this nebula be that breakaway changeling slash founder faction that instead of having a planet to live on, they're living as like a nebula, just like a big floating great link? Yeah, interesting. I don't mind that. I think that. I mean, obviously, going back to Deep Space Nine. Um, after There's so th- many threads that you can pull at here. Yeah, well, after after the Romulan attack on the... Or the Tal Shiar attack combined with the Obsidian Order, when they attacked the Founder homeworld and destroyed it from orbit, that's when the Founders went and found another planet, like a desolate planet, hidden within... No, sorry, their, their first home was hidden inside the Omarian Nebula because Odo needed yes. to get to the Omarian Nebula. So, yeah, and obviously in this episode there being like the ships falling, there's like a gravity well or something in the middle of whatever this thing is. So, yeah, maybe there's – because obviously, you know, changelings have to at some point revert back to the gelatinous form. So, they obviously – Which is why that uh, – was it Raka or whatever it is? His name, yeah. he sort of went back he to his gelatinous blah, 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 blah. and melted yeah. before Worf so vaporized him. Yeah, so the cloud can't 
always exist if it if it is um changed existing like that like but it gives them like a little base to go back to it's like i'm going to exist as a nebula to help hide my friends and when i get tired i'm going to go back down and be goo and one of my friends is going to come back up and be the cloud and it's going to hide us and protect us so that works cloud and goo cloud and goo so oh and he looked pussy too when he like yeah he, he i mean i'm glad it, i'm glad they didn't go like exactly the old school like Jello that um, no, they well they've obviously Odo. they've improved, uh, updated the yeah. uh, CGI. So that was quite nice. Which and yeah, I thought it was great. The little the little Easter egg of um, Wharf destroying him with a Nemesis style phaser, the little dolphin phaser. There, all right. So talking about Wharf as well, mm. there were a couple of nice little uh, lines from Wharf here in this episode oh, as well. It's all gold. Um, a couple I wrote down. He was like, "One must access calm as much as fire." I loved that quote. I thought that was great. Yeah, because yeah. he, he's learnt as he's gotten older that, you know, he can access his calm and fire as well. I wanted a little more Yodery. Like, the opposite <laughs> of calm isn't fire. Like, be like fire and water, you know? Give me, give me that kind of allegory. It's like, you know, that... I liked that. That would put it over the top of me. But everything Worf said in this episode was great. And Worf's joke about... Uh, Beheadings are on Wednesday. Nice. <laughs> I thought that was Very great nice. too. Yeah, th- there was lots of great backwards and forwards between Worf and Raffi in this episode. Yeah, that was that that was the peak for me, and all the Beverly Picard stuff was peak for me. The battle can eat the dirtiest part. Okay, of my so s- speaking. Oh damn! Speaking of mm. the battle, so at one point we had a, I think it was an ensign. She was looking out the window of the Titan, looking for. Vadic's ship. And, and where she did they w- specifically say multiple times that she needed to be? Both, both Shaw said it and someone else said it later on. Where was she supposed to be? Was it aft? Aft. Shaw said, someone look out the back window. Yeah. And then Riker later calls to aft and she says, nobody here. But in the middle of the episode. We see. When she does spot him. Uh, spot, sorry, the Shrike. She says, I can see it. I can see it. She's Coming on the starboard side. The ship came in from the starboard side, so the that's star- a bit of a goof. The probably the the like forward side, like the front side of the starboard too. Like, it would have been at about the two thirty mm. position. So yeah, not great. Not happy about that. Uh, and I've, we've talked. Oh about look, it, it was a goof. Yeah, a gaff in the episode. Twenty twenty three. That kind of shit should not be happening. Uh, I've talked about it in our Stargate podcast that. Sometimes the CGI does the story dirty. Um, yes. I think this episode did that. The the battle stuff, like them talking on the bridge. The CGI stuff, itself was amazing, don't get me wrong. It was great, but it didn't fit the episode. The I I said it to you as like as soon as the episode we turned the episode off. To me, that wormhole weapon is useless in a ship to ship battle because ships have engines. Um, and a little thing called evasive maneuvers. Yeah, that's true. Um, she was like, um, they seem to stop the Titan. What's her like name? Quite a lot. Vatic could fire torpedoes, and yes. some would hit, some would miss. There's specifically a shot where, yeah, uh, where LaForge dodges some, so can dodge tiny, tiny little torpedoes, but can't dodge a giant fucking wormhole in her front window. Multiple times. One thing I really did enjoy about that wormhole weapon was where the Titan fired that full spread of torpedoes mm. at Vatic's ship. Yeah. 
and then she opened up the wormhole right in front of yeah. where the torpedoes were. The torpedoes went straight in. The other end of the wormhole opened up behind the uh, Titan and its own torpedoes yeah. just smashed into it. I thought that was but again, that was a great visual. Great visual, but again, doesn't make sense in universe because A, evasive maneuvers, and B... I think it just happened too quickly for him to be able to do it. And B, they all have guidance systems. They have... All the torpedoes. All the torpedoes yes, they do. have self-guidance systems. So, like, there's literally that in, in Voyager, there's the episode where the two EMHs are, take, have, are in control of Prometheus and Andy Dick just, like, fires the torpedo and it goes off and it, go, and it just hits an Akira-class ship. And then the Doctor's like, you idiot, you have to tell it where to go. <laughs> they have guidance systems. So it's like, it, give me a line at least. Like, you know, whatever, give me something. I didn't like it. I don't know. I, I, I did like it. I think it just sort of, they, they came out of the wormhole... And, you know, before the guidance system had a chance to track exactly what had happened to them, they just happened to smack straight into the back. I don't like it. I don't like it. It tracks. It really does track, I think. I mean, you know, we had that whole scene with, uh, was it Sydney LaForge? Is that her first name? Sydney? Yes. That whole, it was a very cute moment between her and Seven. Oh, and that's another one of those nice little people scenes that we yeah, had in yeah. this episode. Yeah, that was fantastic. She she had that thing. She brought it up again. My dad's Geordie LaForge, which is like, calm down. We all know. Um, but then Seven calls that. It's like, that sounds rehearsed. And she's like, it was. <laughs> that was adorable. The problem with it is she's like, oh, I'm Geordie LaForge's daughter. Geordie LaForge is the greatest engineer of all time. People didn't like it when I became a pilot being Geordie LaForge's daughter. What was Geordie LaForge doing in the first... Geordie did start off as the pilot of the he Enterprise. He was a pilot. When Gene or the helmsman, shall we say. When Gene Roddenberry He wanted the blind black man. Because it was based on a real person that Gene met yeah. in his real life. He loved the dichotomy of a blind person steering the ship. He thought that was brilliant. Because it's like, just because he's blind doesn't mean he can't be a pilot. Do it. And then obviously they realised that on the Enterprise, the, the helm position is actually the most boring position ever anywhere. And he became an engineer in, what, season two or season three? Yeah, maybe. season two or three, yeah. And then he ended up being the chief engineer. So, if I know this, then why don't people in universe know this and go, well, Geordie was a pilot before he was a famous engineer. If his daughter wants to become a pilot, Sydney, you go, girl. You do you, boo. Yeah, I, I just, I, I personally think it was just, you know, he, because he is a, the, one of the most famous engineers, that, you know, everyone would just expect that Sydney would just become an engineer as well, like her father. Like, I don't think they, they I don't think they've forgotten that he was a pilot, per se. I know why the scene existed, because she used it as an example to make Seven feel better about herself. I love that. And it was, a, it was a sweet scene. That was a fantastic one. I love that. But, if Sydney, if Sydney was in any other position on the ship other than the helm, it would have been great. But when we meet Geordie LaForge, he's a pilot at the helm. I have issues. I do like how um, Sydney LaForge called um, Seven Commander Seven. Yes. As well. That, that, was, that awesome. was nice. Yeah. It still sounds weird to the ear. Be, just because obviously we're used, I've, I'm used to, you know, have for so long just hearing Seven or Seven of Nine and things like that. But just that you could see just the joy that it gave Seven. And I like the fact that 
you know, uh, Sydney and seven. Like the fact, the fact that Sydney even like, and this is another problem I had with the episode was <laughs> Shaw says, "Oi, you, you, and you, you've been on duty for thirty six hours. Take a break while you can." And they're like, "Sweet, bro, yeah." And Sydney goes and at checks. no time did they say, "Sweet, bro, yeah." They probably said, "Shit, man, yeah," because <laughs> we all say shit in this uh, on this ship. And the first thing Sydney does after working thirty six hours at the helm, probably no pee breaks she goes and knocks on Seven's door and says, hey, just wanted to check on you, dude. That was sweet. Um, but then the problem is, at the start of the episode, before she's relieved and says, go take a break, she says, hey, engineering, because apparently engineering are telling the helm, engineering says, warp drives back online in two hours. And he says, sweet, bro, go take a break. And she goes and takes a break. But then she's back. And then she's like, hey, we've got warp engines in 20 minutes. Which means after working a 36-hour shift, she got like an hour and a half off, max. Maybe she went past sick bay and got a sweet hypo spray in the neck. Oh, yeah. Or one of those, um, like the 24th century version, like those hangover IV bags. Yeah. They just connected. I mean, obviously they're in trio. At least she so. didn't get a shot in the eye. <laughs> like true, Raffi. True, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, probably, you know, coffee, meal, wicked piss. Uh, and then back to her, you know, I mean, she's a LaForge, so more power to her. But... But uh, you got really excited, actually, when uh, Seven basically walked... She walked out of her quarters and you saw her shoes. Seven of nine. (laughs) Seven of nine was wearing the same style of heeled boot that Janeway and Torres wore in the Delta Quadrant. I didn't expect that. I know Seven of nine wore those, like, heels built into her catsuit for four years on Voyager. But she's quite a tall girl. She is, yeah. Terry Farrell. Shadzia Dax, yes. also quite a tall girl. On Deep Space Nine, they made her wear flats. She wore the same shoes as the boys because they didn't want her to be taller. Oh, yeah, she else. was a model and she was pretty tall. She's like 5'11 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, she was that. pretty tall. She still is 5'11. Um, so I was totally expecting like Seven to be wearing flats or boots or maybe they've evolved to the point you know, where women don't have to wear heels. But just the fact that we got the shot of it and she used him to kick that dickhead lieutenant like arm out of the way. I got very excited. Yeah, about you, that. you you did get weirdly excited by that. I just it it looked like the Voyager uniform because it was just like that black um, black pant with the slit in it and the heels. I'm just like she is living her best Janeway life right now. So yeah, obviously we spoke about the sabotage of the ship and the uh, mm. of the Titan and the Changeling. So the last two episodes. They've not really mentioned that uh, Ensign. We've seen him a couple mm. of times. And for those that, uh, you know, like to see and hear these things, uh, that Ensign who was the changeling, mm. he his name is Chad Lindbergh, the actor. The Lindbergh baby. And he is, he was Jesse in The Fast and the Furious. I think I mentioned that mm. in a previous episode was, as well. He um, was mullet guy in Supernatural. Yep. I can't remember the character's name now. It's been so long. But the, the point is... They've sort of like they've been showing him a little bit in the background they live, of like, episode. They they will pan past him and sort of like slow and it's like oh okay, this, he's yeah, going to be something well, important well, when, and he's when, too well known of an actor to sort of just be a background character as well. Correct. And now correct. we found out why. Yeah, and he's still at large at this point, isn't he? Like yeah, they haven't captured him. Yeah, um, yeah, because when Picard and Riker were first on board the Titan, and there's like the honor guard of all the people down there. They do a specific moment and cut to him, like, and just hold on him. 
And then obviously in this episode, when the chick who's looking after, who's apparently looking starboard, is there, and he's next to her, and base and was a dick to her. He was just yeah. like, he was just like, you know, trying to give the the report quicker and stuff. So, um, yeah, that was cool. So obviously he's going to be um, causing some more havoc around the ship. Um, what I didn't like though, and again, it gave me a little bit of post traumatic stress from like discovery era, is when Jack is like dying from asphyxiation from the poison after he's been attacked by the changeling. He has like a weird vision of seven. Oh, with that red like with stuff the, growing. The, the red stuff growing around. And then, because for a second, when we cut to that, I thought seven, like the, the changeling. Were you thinking like red angel or something? Well, no, no, no. Well, I thought when we saw seven, I thought um, the changeling had turned into seven and was going to start causing havoc as seven. But then it was almost like he was having some kind of hallucination vision because she started mumbling and saying something weird about "come find me" or "I'm the answers to something." And I could, I, I'll I, have to go back and rewatch that. Have to go back and watch it. Turn the subtitles on, and then there was like the weird red stuff like growing on the bulkhead around her, and then it cut to like like a red door opening or something just for a split second. And I'm like, if we get more fucking Red Angel shit and <laughs> and the the resolution to whatever problem this is is a vision that Jack had, I will fucking scream. Oh, Maddie's being very animated this episode. He's very, very passionate. It's This episode was just peaks and valleys. Like so many really, really good high points and so many low points for me where I'm like, what? I think you you had a lot more low points than what I did yes. uh, for this episode, yeah. and like there were a couple of low points which I've I've mentioned already as well. But I, to me, I really enjoyed the sci finess of this episode, mm. the space battles, uh, the CGI in this was great. Yeah, there's like, and and we spoke about it. You are you said you are um, growing to enjoy the look of the Titan A. I, I I'm act like so I've done a little bit of uh, looking on. Uh, YouTube and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is... So, they called it on screen a Neo-Constitution class. Mm-hmm. But looking online as well, they've spoken it about it being a Constitution 3 class, which tracks... Oh, like a Mark 3 type thing. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. basically, from what I can gather, it is a Constitution class frame um, that has been updated to today's mm. technology with yeah new yeah. hole plating and new technology and all that See, sort of stuff. To me, that sounds like my dad like buying an old classic car and then like putting air conditioning in it. Like yeah. he loves that. That's I, his. Jam. I love that too. No, nah, uh, your dad and I get along quite well yeah. though. <laughs> he has like he's like three classic cars in his garage, and he like does shit and restores. And like, I'm just like, give me a new car. Give me give me something fresh. So I personally think the titan is um <laughs> what's that line from uh, the trouble with triples like it's like garbage <laughs> not not even garbage it should be hauled away as garbage <laughs> I, um, but i will admit because you're talking about the cgi just the the shots of it the panning shots up and across the hull amazing beautiful like beautifully shot great direction it's like it's like it's like watching porn with a really ugly person in it that's what it was like for me. I don't watch porn with ugly people. <laughs> <laughs> it exists. Trust me, it exists. But it's like, it's it's giving me what I want visually, but the model they're using, I'm like, I'm not about it. 
I'm not about it. And that's what it's like. I Because obviously, like, you know, and I don't want to bash Discovery more, but hey, it's what we do. The Discovery's an ugly ship. Well, just the fact, yeah, it's ugly, but then also we never got those Star Trek-style porn shots of just... No, like we didn't. The raking shots and, and appreciating the ship as, as, as it is. Like, we got in DS9 and Voyager and Next Generation. Well, well one of, of my favourite, um, like, basic, you know, Starship porn shots is... The Enterprise E, the first time we see it. First contact. In first yeah. contact. Amazing. So I love the fact that we're we're taking time. And I mean, this episode was long, 56 minutes. Like we're used to, yeah. we used to like 42, 44 minute episodes yeah. of Star Trek, um, including a two minute title sequence. Whereas in this, we just get like a five second, Picard, and you're done. And you're done. How's so, that go again? Picard. <laughs> That's our new opener. Get, get rid of the next generation music. It's sound. Save this for later. Just in and out. Picard. Um, so I love that we're taking the time to do these beautiful raking shots of the ship and, and, you know, give us that starship porn that we all enjoy. I just, I just wish that the the ship was a bit sexier, but that's me. I get it. I get people are into that constitution class, obviously like Star Trek wouldn't be here without a constitution class. That's true. So I, I, I'm happy for you. I'm gonna let you finish. (laughs) <laughs> but it is not the greatest starship of all time. No, it, it absolutely is not the greatest starship yeah. of all time. But I can appreciate the aesthetic of it and what they've tried to do. And yeah, have a look online for yourself, uh, listeners. Maddie, you too. Have a look online and just have a look at a little bit of the the reasoning of why they've done this. Nah, no, you're not going to do good. it. Okay, I'm that's fine. good. They did it. They did it last season with Stargazers, and I was like, okay, what else is boring? Um, we've seen them. Give us new ships. Give us yeah, new ships. Yeah, oh, and I we're going to get some new the, ships. The ones that Riker showed up with in the end of season one of Picard, they're like, the most advanced, deadliest ship we've ever seen, blah, 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 blah. They were still pretty ugly too. Um, so I'm glad we don't know them. But it is very weird to be like, yeah, two years ago, we had these super sleek, advanced looking things. And now because there's a new showrunner who likes the old style stuff, we're going to have... Um, Pretty sure it was an inquiry class, the Zheng, the Zheng Hei, wasn't it? The inquiring? Um, an inquiry class. I'm pretty sure that's what inquiry it is. Inquiry class. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. An, in, an inquiry class. Yep. Oy vey. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yep, it is an inquiry battle cruiser. So, <laughs> so it inquires and then destroys No, you. so with, with uh, Star Trek Online, so one of the reasonings to have the Inquiry class, and it's a, a very large ship, actually. Um, it's about, it's a little bit bigger than a Sovereign class. Yeah, it looked yeah, like a monster. Yeah. So it, the, the, which was the weird thing in um, the end of, season, uh, end of season one of Picard, where suddenly a fleet of like 300 of them all showed yeah, up. So Identical. The, the, the reasoning behind having those battle cruisers and a massive fleet of them mm. uh, that I found online, and it makes sense to me, uh, is that because Starfleet has come across so many enemies uh, recently, you know, like obviously the Borg, you know, mm. we've had the Dominion. Um, they In Star Trek Online, they had the Iconian War mm. as well. They needed a a ship that they could punch out relatively fast that was a battle cruiser. And basically it was a quick reaction force type of scenario. So quick that they forgot to name it properly. Mm. I mean, come on. Galaxy class, sovereign class, intrepid. We're going to build our first battleship to fight the Borg. It's going to be called the Defiant class. 
You just, you just don't like the name Inquiry now Class. it's time for the Inquiry Class. It's a badass looking yeah, ship. I like them, actually. Yeah, like, I'd get Inquiry Class if it was like a science ship, like an Oberth shitty science ship or something like that. But they'd be like, oh, this is our most badass advanced ship ever. It's called the Inquiry Class. No, I, I like it. So, anyway, one big scene that we are forgetting, and this will lead into my second theory for the episode. Uh-oh. We need a sound effect for your theory. We need a sound. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I've got one. Um, we'll work on it. I reckon... I protest. I am not a merry man. That's the only other sound Absolutely clip I had. Not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, maybe we can get, maybe there'll be a sound in that. Um, maybe the episode from like season one or two of Next Generation uh, is it conspiracy where there's like there's little bugs in everybody. Bugs. Bugs. There's those little <laughs> tiny bugs taking over people's um, uh, brains and stuff. Maybe um, maybe there'll be a funny a funny line in there about a conspiracy, and then <laughs> and then you can use that whenever you want to talk about your theories. Okay, well, well mm. I'll find that for next week, listeners. I'll, do we want that? Mm. If we do, let us know. Or you know, obviously this is Picard's more next generation, but Seven of Nine is in it. There is that fantastic episode of Voyager, uh, the Voyager conspiracy, where Seven of Nine goes crazy on conspiracy theories. Oh yes, there yes. can always be some cool audio there. Okay, so this is. Uh, Riker removes Picard from the bridge. I know you you weren't a fan of this, Maddie. It was very. There was like a big argument that sort of ensued. Years of friendship, and in ten minutes, they're like, get at each other's throats. I'm like, whoa. So this leads into my theory. Yeah, because this is very, very out of character. And when you you said this theory to me, as we turned off the episode. And I don't want to believe it, but I think there is some validity to it. So I think that the Riker that we are seeing is a changeling. It it doesn't make sense for episode one and two, but it absolutely makes sense here. So we, we've seen changelings uh, many times before pretend to be other people. Mm, oh, absolutely. So they've obviously, they've got that ability, like they've got this ability to be, you know, spies basically. Yeah. I I I love all the the mushy friendship. We love each other because we've known each other for forty years. Stuff that they're doing in this show. So the issue I have as as more of a macro style thing is in this episode. What if this is true? Then what they have set up is that after forty years, Picard finally has a child, finds out about it, has. A moment about it with with Riker, with Will, with Riker. Riker gives that impassioned speech about get involved with your son because I think this is just the changeling playing the character, man. But the fact that Picard had one of his most vulnerable conversations ever with his best friend, and it wasn't really Riker, kind of breaks my heart. Okay, like, it, but you don't necessarily dislike it. No, no, it, it it's it, tracking. I it think it makes sense. It. It does seem like one of those, oh, how convenient kind of things because in episode one and two, everything was perfect. And and like I, I said to you um, off air, it was when at the start of episode one, we get the emergency message from Beverly and she says, Picard, help, trust no one. And the only person Will uh, um, Picard trusts is Will. Is Will. So he calls Will and they meet at Guinan's bar. And do the changelings know that, though? 
yeah, at that point, because they've been together ever since that point, that would have had to have been Riker. So we actually haven't seen if that's if we true, haven't seen we Riker. Haven't seen Riker except for the flashbacks. We haven't seen true. Riker um, proper true. Um, so it was just a coincidence that. Uh, Picard happened to call Riker and said, I need you for this mission that led them to the Titan, that led them to the Nebula, that led them to um, Vatic, who wants them all. And then there's a changeling on the Titan. It just, I don't know. You I think it's a stretch? It's a, Like I said, it's a stretch for the first two episodes. It's not a stretch for this episode because... I think that there the, was a thread there, though. The argument that they had in this episode seemed very out of character, so it would make sense... And it would make sense for Riker trying to, um, you know, cause dissent and, and manipulate people into what he needs and all that kind of thing. But given that the ship was never intended to go to that area of space anyway until Picard and Riker... Well, okay. Well, was Just it? thinking out loud, um, it was when Picard came to Riker and said we need to help Beverly, it was Riker's idea to use the Titan and get it to go to that area of space. Yeah, see, this is the threads. Plus the thread of um, Riker and Deanna have been having problems as well. Mm. So I I think we're tugging on a couple of threads here that might unravel... Yeah, like like I said, it it just sucks that like there's the scene from last episode where Riker's like Picard. I'm talking about Jack. He's like Picard. Do you not see what I see? Do the math. Like I hate that that would be a changeling saying that to Picard. Uh, unless there was a second changeling on the Titan somewhere, and at some stage it swapped out Riker. Ooh, like um, uh, like so- that that uh, the last episode of season three of Deep Space Nine, which is called. I can't remember, but it's the Zenkethi. Look it up on your phone, and Maddie. I hate cheating. <laughs> like but it's the Zenkethi, the, and there's there's, a, they're on the defiant. They're all on the defiant, and then there's that one uh, changeling who was posed as the emissary guy. Yeah. Like there's I so many little threads, and it really feels like you know the showrunner Terry Metalis has sat down like Kevin Feige of uh, Marvel and just drawn this massive tapestry on his wall. The adversary. The adversary. It was yep. right in front of me. Right on the tip of the tongue, eh? Yeah. But yeah, I, I really feel like the showrunner, Terry Metalis, has like drawn this massive like web on the wall mm. in his office and you know, put all these threads there. And I feel like we, we're slowly tugging on these threads. Which is why it bugs me so much when he stuffs up because everything else he does is so good. <laughs> and then when he's... St- when he trips and stumbles, I want to just be like, bitch. <laughs> this is why I don't have kids. Because I'd be an abusive father. Wow. That's the problem. That's the problem. I don't think you would be. When married. they mess up, I'm just going to be like. Ugh! I would be happy Sorry. to leave my son with you. If you're <laughs> oh, not abusive you. at all, mate. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I had written down as a little um, bit of trivia that uh, we should probably mention is that great moment when Worf is doing his Tai Chi when Rafi's waking up. And it's the music from First Contact that Picard's listening to in his uh, ready room. Yes. Uh, when he, when Riker walks in and goes, oh, we've done our first sweep of the neutral zone. And he's like, Bizet? And he's like, Berlioz. Berlioz. 
And that's what uh, Wolf was listening to. I love that. So many little things. Which does make me wonder if there is some kind, because I didn't pick it up, but I wonder if there's some kind of meaning behind the opera music that Seven was listening to in her quarters. Ooh. Because she had that cute little Voyager, little, little yep. ship. Uh, which I think was an eagle moss as well. Yeah, I think there silver, seems to be lots of eagle moss. Yeah, because the stand looked very eagle mossy. But it's like, oh, Seven's just been a little bit nostalgic, fiddling with some kind of tech or whatever. But I didn't. I'm a Voyager stand, and I didn't recognize that music. But who knows? Could it could be. have been in an episode somewhere, and because well, it's been what twenty years. Yeah, since or it's it could been even out. be a reference to like season one and two. There could have been something, maybe something she and Raffi listened to, or yeah, who knows? Could be could be something else. But that was a really really nice touch. I think th- this episode though, you might not have liked everything, Maddie. I didn't particularly like everything. I think I liked a lot more of it than what you did. Yeah. But I think there was a lot of story told in this episode. Correct. And there's a lot of threads to come out of this episode to be resolved or yeah. you know, expanded further. Character moments I love. Character development, great. Um, all that stuff was great. Gave me everything I needed. But the yeah, the action on the, the, the bridge battle, just because we've seen so many great bridge battles, it was lacking for me. And um, yeah, the tactics weren't quite there. But if... If, um, I like that Jean-Luc, could, from the seat that he was sitting in, number one seat, Yeah, he was firing torpedoes from that seat. I I'm, thought that was great. I'm calling it, that's the Tuvok manoeuvre. Tuvok did that in, I think, either against the Vadwa or Species 8472, but he fired a tor- an aft torpedo and then shot it with a phaser and the concussive burst knocked out everybody. That's the Tuvok manoeuvre. I'm calling it. Is it going to be called the Tuvok Maneuver or is it going to be the Riker Maneuver 2.0? It better fucking not be because the the Riker Maneuver 1.0 was bullshit. It was bank left. That's not a maneuver. You don't name it the Riker Maneuver. It was more than that. It was not. It was. If you go back and watch the episode, it was fucking Best uh, of Both Worlds Part 1 or whatever. No, 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 no. The Riker Maneuver in um, um, Insurrection. No, the Riker Maneuver started out in... Um, next generation, they go, uh, maneuver alpha, uh, Riker alpha one and fucking Wesley taps a couple of buttons and the ship banks left. Yeah. No, 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 that's not specifically the Riker maneuver though. The Riker maneuver was in insurrection where he used the Bassard Ram scoops to pick up all the gas from the nebula. I know. Put the, put the gas out the back of the nacelles and then lit it up and blew up the sonar ship. However, however, the line that Geordie's, and this is where we get so sweaty into the specifics, and only Star Trek fans do it. Um, Geordie says, if this works, history might refer to this as, as the, the Riker, Riker Maneuver. maneuver. <laughs> Whereas in fucking Next Generation, he has a Riker Maneuver and it's bank left and it's bullshit. No, that's, in- that's not specifically the Riker Maneuver though. It is a maneuver... It was programmed the, in. It was Maneuver Alpha Riker 1 or something. Yeah, but it doesn't mean like it's that. the Riker Maneuver, though. And his name in it. He was the one that said, execute Riker Alpha 1. Ah, ah that's Bullshit. not how it works, mate. So that's actually called the Riker Maneuver. <laughs> whereas Geordie has the good one that he hopes is called the Riker Maneuver. <sighs> but it's the Tuvok Maneuver that I care about that was okay. in this episode. Um, and a cool bit of trivia. Okay. Um, Send it. That I read or watched or something. Because we don't get... Touched? I get, <laughs> I get touched all the time. It's just me. It's just me. Me, myself, and I. Um, we don't get the ready room, the Will Wheaton after show, Trek talk show. Um, we don't get that. So it might have been a clip I saw of that online or maybe something I saw. And Anyway, um, 
the Shrieks Bridge. Yes. That set. Guess where that set exists and what they use an existing set to build it with. Ooh, I don't know. What? The lower level of the La Serena. So okay, yes. in that first episode, yeah, where like, Raffi's um, going through all her conspiracy stuff and she walks to that railing and she puts her hands on the railing and has her back to the view screen and she like puts her heads down, she's looking right into, into the, bridge the bridge of the Shrike. That's why you don't really see where Raffi wakes up in The Last Serena and the whole scene between Worf, the Changeling, and Raffi is at the back of the top level of the La Serena where like the transporter pads are... Because they can't use the bottom level because it all looks like Vad- uh, Vadric's ship. Va- Va- yeah, well, it, it's not unusual for Star Trek to reuse no, sets, that's though. Fantastic. It's great. I love that. Yeah, um, recycling. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> the sooner we get rid of the last surrender, the better. Like, oh, I like how the- many to- like we're three episodes in, and I feel like we've cut to that exact same establishing shot of the last surrender like six times if you're just like sitting on top of a building. And like I love Star Trek. It's not exactly a reuse, though, is it? It feels every time. Like it it feels except for when she's like hovering over the disaster that's about to happen. Every other time they cut back to the last Serena, it feels like it's in the exact same spot, and it's a reuse. With Star Trek, always reuses their. Oh, their how many shots. times have they reused that Klingon bird of prey get destroyed? Yes, <laughs> that must have been used um, thirty or forty times. The, so many shots, so many shots everywhere. Um, so I, I don't, I don't ding them for it. I think it's great. Um, but yeah, we I'm done with the last Serena. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think we're gonna see. Well, we probably will see it a bit more in this blow season. It but up, blow it up. Blow it up. Blow anyway, it up. Anyway, um, next week's episode is called "No Win Scenario." Ah, Kobayashi Maru. Yes. Was that a racist accent I just did? Oh, I wouldn't call it okay. racist. Okay, good. Yeah, but I don't know what it was. It was just a weird accent. It was just a little bit strange, yeah, but you know, but. Maddie, Maddie has been very animated this episode. I've had too more much, than normal. I've had too much sugar today. I apologize. Yeah, you're way on the sugar way high. Too you much were going to crash down hard later, I think. Awesome. I've got to be up at like 4 a.m. This is going to be great. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Um, um, uh, have you got any more that you want to talk about from this episode, Maddie? I was just going to say no win scenario, Kobayashi Maru. Okay. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you. Probably a, know what the Kobayashi know Maru or is. Or B, should know that, that the Kobayashi Maru is a no win scenario. Unless you cheat. Don't even get me started <laughs> on that bullshit. <laughs> fucking apple eating, fucking Chris Pine, son of a bitch. All right, where can we find you uh, on socials, Maddie? At High Pitch Maddie, H-I-G-H-P-I-T-C-H-M-A-T-T-Y. Oh, you spelt that so much better than last week. I've yeah. been You've been practicing? No, I haven't. No? I just spaced it out in my head. <laughs> you didn't write it down somewhere so you could read it? Nope. No. Uh, and you can find myself at Geek in Camo. That'll do for uh, this week, uh, guys, girls, ladies, gentlemen, and uh, binars. She, he, he, she's, and they's. They, oh, there's a no, funny way that no, makes no, it no. rhyme. That includes they's. I can't remember. He's, she's, and binars. It's been a long We're night. keeping it Star Trek, Matty. This has been our longest episode yet at an hour and 18. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, what, what about that, that non-gendered race that Riker tries to fuck? What were they called? Oh, Yes. We'll use that. I don't even now. know how that would work, though. I I, I want to see how that would work. <laughs> I'm not. Like, what parts does that thing have? Doesn't matter. Sometimes all you need is a mouth. True. Mm. Open up, Maddie. How dare? <laughs> <laughs>
I 